Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, the podcast where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I am the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Lowcountry's premier commercial real estate company representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. We're recording this podcast today on June 6, 2019, and we're recording from The Hold, Revelry Brewing in Charleston, South Carolina. Today's guest is a true double threat, a renaissance man who uses his gifted athleticism to block shots between the pipes when he's playing hockey, but also uses his gifted brain between his ears to write some really, really great content for some of Charleston's best publications. He's the goalie for the South Carolina Stingrays, and you can find his articles in Eater Charleston, Charleston Magazine, and the Charleston City Paper as well as his newest venture, Pregame Skate. I'm pleased to welcome Parker Milner to the Building Charleston podcast. Parker, welcome. Thanks for having me, Matt. Great to be on. It's good to have you here, and it's good to be here at the Hold at the Revelry uh, by Revelry Brewery. As the goalie, you're the foundation for the hockey team, but you're also building a really strong foundation as a writer here in Charleston, so there's a lot to unpack. Tell the listeners a little bit about how you got to Charleston. Yeah, it's kind of a a long story. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I started playing hockey when I was five years old. Uh, I went to Pittsburgh Penguins games as a child. I was a a huge fan. I uh, actually went to the Stanley Cup when I was 18 months old. (laughs) My parents took me. So So it's in your blood. Yeah, it's in my blood. Uh, My dad didn't play. He can barely skate, but um, (laughs) he always took me to the games, and it was just a really fun thing growing up for us. And so I ended up staying there until I was 16. At that point, I moved to Connecticut and uh, went to boarding school for a year. And then my senior year, I went to Iowa, actually, to a league called the USHL, which is a junior hockey feeder league for Division One. From there, I was recruited to Boston College, and I played there for four years, some of the best times of my life there. And that's where I, I kind of played with a lot of well-known hockey players for, for those hockey fans out there. I know Charleston isn't totally full of them, but, um, we're, we're, we're out, we're out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we exist. It, it's growing. Um, so after Boston college, I kind of had a whirlwind, uh, first couple years of professional hockey. Uh, I played in 
oh boy, maybe five or six cities in my first three years from Stockton, California to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I was kind of all over the place and I finished my third year in Kansas City, Missouri, and I had an opportunity to sign with the Hershey Bears, who is the AHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals, um, with the plan for them to send me here to Charleston. It's kind of a complicated format, but basically it works out like a baseball schedule, you know, structure. It's There's a AAA, which is the Hershey Bears, and there's a AA, which is the South Carolina Stingrays. So, that's kind of how I got here. That was three years ago, and next season will be my fourth year in okay. Charleston with the Stingrays. Okay. A few uh, stories or journeys are kind of linear in a, in a straight upward fashion. It sounds like you've moved around a lot. What was it that brought you here? Was it a trade, or were you, were you drafted by your current team? How does that work? So I was never drafted. The NHL is a little different. They actually draft players when they're 18 years old. You have three years that you can be draft eligible, and if you're not drafted within that time, then you never will be. So... I signed as a free agent. I've signed minor league contracts every year, and uh, those are generally one-year deals. So I sign, you're a free agent at the end of every year, and I I signed a one-year deal with Hershey, like I said, which which brought me to to Okay, and it sounds like we're we're blessed to have you for at least another year. sounds like you just signed another year. Yeah, yeah, I just signed on for my seventh year. uh, Congrats. professional, which uh, I never thought I would have made it this far. <laughs> As I consider myself an athlete, but never had the opportunity to sign a professional contract. What's that like? I mean, to me, that's got to be just so cool. It, it is. It's. Uh, I try to take a step back and appreciate that sometimes because it, it's easy to get lost in being on the bus and, and all the different things that, that you do and all the work that goes into it. But it is cool to take a step back to think about actually signing the contract. I remember... Uh, I sign a new one every year. The first time I signed with the Stingrays, I was in Australia for this uh, tournament to raise awareness for concussions. Uh, it's a professional hockey thing, and you travel around and, and play in different cities. And so that that was my when I actually had to sign my first contract. I knew it was happening before, but the date it always comes. It's like July, and that's when they need it. And I was over there, and so it was kind of funny getting the the hotel there to, to scan it and get my roommate to witness it and everything. So it is pretty surreal. That's awesome. So what's it like to play for the Stingrays? What's a, what's a day in the life of a, of a Stingrays hockey player? It kind of depends. Practice days are, are pretty simple. I think a lot of people with nine to fives would scoff at our hours on the practice days. It's kind of, we get to the rink around uh, eight thirty nine o'clock and we practice for an hour and a half, maybe a workout after and, you're usually home by 12.30 or 1. I mentioned the bus and, and the road trips. Uh, the road trips can get a little dicey. We're definitely on the road. We stay in the southeast a lot. There's three teams in Florida, a team in Norfolk, Virginia, Greenville. So we're, we're kind of just all around the southeast. It's a real privilege to play for the Stingrays. We have a, a pretty good following, and I feel pretty lucky to do it. We're sitting in the hold by Revelry Brewing, which is one of my favorite breweries in town. And each year I get to design a mask, actually. Uh, the guy who paints my mask is from Sweden. His name is Dave Gunnarsson. And uh, I actually have these guys on my mask, along with a, a number of other uh, restaurants around the area. Fig, Miller's All Days, Albao Biscuit, Leon's. So it's fun that I get to live in a city and play in a city that uh, means something to me. 
you definitely have a food background, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we leave the, the topic of hockey, you know, the Capitals won the Cup last year. Uh, the Stingrays are part of the Capitals organization. We were talking about this before we went on the podcast. You got to spend some time with the team during the Road to the Cup last year. You know, for the listeners, tell us what that was like. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, talk about surreal. I've, I've, I go to training camp with the Cavs every year, but that's just kind of a different animal. And uh, without getting into the nitty-gritty of why I was called up and not the two guys in Hershey, which is the league above us, I've never played in the NHL. Um, I dressed in one preseason game with the Islanders in New York one time, but they called me and said after we lost, after the Stingrays lost out of the playoffs, they said they wanted to have me uh, come up and be the third goalie, which... I just couldn't believe it, and, and obviously I wasn't playing or, or doing a whole lot besides practicing and taking some, some shots from the guys that weren't playing after, but just to be actually on the team, and it was three days. Um, I was on the Capitals, but... <laughs> three, day, know, three days more than just about everybody else walking the planet. Yeah, and just, just to be there, um, you know, it was a bummer when they lost in Game 7, but just to be a part of that and to feel what it's like to be in the locker room of you know, the teams that I grew up watching and the teams that everyone's watching on TV was a uh, pretty unbelievable experience. Okay. I could talk about hockey for hours, uh, but I also wanted to talk about how you're starting to build a foundation for the next phase of your life, uh, which is writing. When did you start thinking about writing as a foundation for your life after hockey? I think it, it started as a hobby. I've always been a big journaler, uh, whether it's for hockey or, or kind of experiencing different experiences that I'm going through. I like to write about them so I can remember them. And uh, I think that's where it started as a hobby. And I just kind of grew it from there. It was my second year with the Stingrays. I Eater Charleston, uh, which is a Fox media company. They have about 23, I think, cities around the country. Charleston's actually probably the smallest one that they have. And I just kind of cold applied for a freelance contributor position and sent in, uh, I think it was a review of sorts of McCready's uh, over on East Bay Street, the tasting restaurant that I'd been in with my dad and sent in a couple other little things and they ended up getting back to me. And it's just kind of slowly grown from there. It took a while to build trust even with Aaron Perkins, who's the editor there, and just kind of finding my voice and figuring out how to write about food and uh you know, make it engaging and slowly but surely I've kind of been able to build it up and meet different people around town that have given me uh, different opportunities. Was there an aha moment where you said, okay, this is not just a hobby. I, I really want to make a career out of this. Uh, I think I'm still figuring that out. It, <laughs> it kind of works out well with uh, being on the ice and then go home and write. It, it kind of feels like a pretty good life to me. Um, okay. I know that won't exist always. So we'll, we'll have to see what, the full-time landscape looks like after, but definitely I did an internship with Charleston Magazine uh, last fall that I think really helped just to see the publication process and be around it in that way because everything I had done up to that point and really do now is, is freelance. And so to be involved in the making of a magazine that's pretty well known around the city, uh, it's, I think the oldest magazine was a pretty special experience. You write predominantly about food, which is good because Charleston is, uh, we're big on our food down here. What's the difference between food news and food reviews? Yeah, I'd say 99% of the people that I tell I write about food think that I'm reviewing. They will make the classic uh, dumb joke, we'll be, you know, eating lunch, oh, are you going to review this? Like, okay, I've heard that one about 50 times uh -huh. now. But uh, 
pretty much all the writing that I do is food news, I guess, is the best, like you said, the best thing to call it. I'm not saying my opinion. I'm kind of just saying what it is. I, I do a lot of interviews with new chefs in town to talk about their new concepts or different menus. I highlight different dishes or certain things or round up a group of taco places or, or something like that. Just uh, mm-hmm. kind of the, the stuff that you would be Googling around if you were just looking for a restaurant in Charleston, not necessarily you know, a deep dive on the ins and outs of, of certain ingredients or flavors. Okay. So if I was a, a listener for this podcast, so about half of our podcast listeners come from outside of the, South, the state of South Carolina, even more than that, outside of the Charleston area. If I'm a listener to this podcast and I asked you to recommend three places to eat, you know, you're taking someone out to dinner, you're, you're a guest in town, let's go out and get some appetizers at one place, let's go get dinner at uh, another place, and then maybe some you know, desserts afterwards. As a man who knows what's going on in the city, what would you recommend? You gave me this question before, luckily, so I had some time to think about it because uh, there are so many options and and so many so many cool places, and the city is just growing in regards to food. But for an appetizer, I, I really like to start at Felix. It's a cool little place on King Street. They have some fun cocktails and little French influence bites. My girlfriend and I have been there a number of times. For dinner, it kind of depends on what you're after. Uh, the more adventurous people, I, I would steer towards. Uh, it's called Two, spelled T-U. A lot of people in Charleston know Zaobao Biscuit, which is kind of a Asian influence restaurant in an old gas station. And Two is their other restaurant, which less people know about, but they're serving Indian influence food, but in a really refined way and in a beautiful setting. So th- that's one I would recommend for more adventurous people. One Charleston classic that is just amazing is Fig. Another place that's off the beaten path that I recommend would be Sortum and Salt. And then one of my favorite newer places is really small. It's called Malagon. It's a uh, that probably needs an accent in Spanish, but um, I just <laughs> we're not judging. Malagon. We're not judging. <laughs> and then for dessert, it it kind of depends. I actually will never judge anyone that goes to Jenny's on King Street. I love I love a good uh, ice cream cone, and they've got some cool flavors in there. And then. The coconut cake at Peninsula Grill is, is kind of the famous Charleston dessert. Okay. All good answers. And uh, if I'm listening to this podcast, I've got a couple different directions with which I can yeah, go. there you go. What are you seeing? What are the trends that are facing the Charleston food scene right now? Yeah, I think last year, uh, and I did a couple articles on this, there were so many pizza places that opened up. It, it was really crazy. They just kept popping up, and a lot of them were really good. Uh Two of my favorites, Renzo and Melfi's, uh, are they're doing pizza, but it's not just your classic pizza place. They, they've got some really impressive toppings and dough recipes and other dishes besides pizza. So that was kind of last year. I think the general focus now, and the New York Times actually did an interesting article on this, is Charleston, the food culture is shifting away from Southern cuisine, uh, that classic Gullagichi cuisine that a lot of people are familiar with, which is interesting and, and upsetting to a lot of people. And we're kind of going more towards that big city dining, which I think a lot of people are after. And, you know, I'm not really sure if this is a good or bad thing or you're here to kind of place judgment on that. But I think that's definitely a trend that, that a lot of people are seeing. And I think it is, if nothing else, it's providing a, a lot of diversity in the dining options in the city. Okay. I, I dubbed you a you know, renaissance man in the beginning. Obviously, you're, you're a gifted athlete. You do special projects for some of the magazines we 
mentioned at the beginning, but not only that, you have your own uh, publication. It's called Pregame Skate. How did you come up with it? And you know, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so Pregame Skate, it's a digital magazine related to all things hockey. My college teammate from Boston College and good friend Brooks Styroff actually came up with the idea. He has a newsletter that I think 65, 70,000 people subscribe to. It's called America's Newsletter, and he sends out nonpartisan news daily and also has a, a pretty good Instagram following that, that goes along with that. And so he was a hockey guy. He had an idea to do something similar, but but also a little different with hockey because we, we've kind of poked around and there, there just doesn't exist a, a good, clean format to get hockey news. Um, so is this a publication for just the hardcore hockey fan or maybe the, the generalist who says, hey, I, you know, I listen to this podcast, it's already sound pretty cool, I want to learn a little bit more about it. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the way, and I write three newsletters a week for them, and I try to write it in a way that it's engaging to everyone. Definitely the more hockey, hardcore hockey fans are going to know the players and, and whatnot, but I try to make it so there's a bigger storyline that, that you can see, even if you're not familiar with, with the ins and outs. With the newsletter, we're also actually, I was explained before, I've been in your shoes. I interview people. Um, we do live conference calls where subscribers can listen in live and actually call in and ask questions at the end. And then we turned it into a podcast after. So we've kind of been slowly rolling out that out. And we, we feel like... Uh, we know a lot of people in the game that kind of have some cool opinions and, and whatnot to add to the conversation. Parker was kind enough to send me uh, you know, a couple of the newsletters before this, and I've logged onto the site many times for those who are listening to it. And if, if you're interested in hockey, it is a great read. So it, it's pregameskate.com? Pregameskate.com. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely encourage the listeners to go out there and check that out. As a professional athlete, it's hard to tell if you're ever going to get traded or you know where your career ends up. Life, like you said, can take us on you know a couple different turns. Do you see yourself or staying in Charleston when this is all over, or coming back if you you know you kind of get, I guess, traded or however however the end comes around? Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, I've never been traded. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's not a big market for the minor league goaltender out there usually on the trade block. So um, okay, hope, hopefully that that doesn't happen this year, but. Charleston's definitely a place uh, that I see calling home eventually. I've lived all over the city just because of the hockey. They actually put us up. So I've lived out in North Charleston. I've lived on Daniel Island. I've lived on James Island. Now I'm downtown. So I've kind of gotten the full experience, and I I just love living here. Like you said, I don't know where the sport's going to take me or how long I'll even play, but it's, it's been fun playing pro hockey for seven years. It really is hard to establish yourself in a city when you're playing professional hockey because you're in this bubble and it speaks volumes to the city of Charleston that I've been able to do that here. Very cool. As we're wrapping up the interview, uh, this is a point where I typically ask people to tell us a little bit about their vision for, for Charleston. You've been here for, you know, for a couple of years. You know, I got to ask you, you know, Parker, tell the listeners as you see it, what's your vision for Charleston? Where do you see it being in the next five, 10 years? I think everyone can see there's more development. There's more you know, things being built, there's big businesses coming here. But the culture, the cool part about it is it always continues to focus on local creatives and uh, who aren't necessarily from Charleston. And I think that's been great for me. Uh, I've only been here for three years and I, I don't feel like I'm not a local or anything because I've only been here. And I think a lot of people who maybe aren't from here kind of feel like it it actually is their home and their locals. And um, I think we'll always have that. And I, yeah. I see that moving forward. 
forward. That's definitely one of the unique things. I've, I've got the sense, too, that there are some great locals here, but there are a lot of people who have moved here also, and because of that, it's been a very welcoming environment. So yeah, I agree. Great, great point. I hope that that keeps up. So at this point, I typically like to wrap up with the built-in Charleston pro tip. And in honor of Parker and in honor of hockey, I'm going to reference uh, the great Wayne Gretzky for this week's tip. This week's tip is to skate where the puck is going. Wayne Gretzky uh, said what made him great was that he skated to where the puck was going, not where it was. Life does move fast, and it can be tough keeping up. But if you're always chasing the puck, it's hard to get ahead. When I look at Parker, I see a man who's achieved what some would say is the ultimate goal in being a professional athlete. He's paid to play hockey. But also, he has the vision to know that hockey doesn't last forever, and he's laying a foundation for where he wants to be for when the next, next chapter begins. When it comes to your career, play the game like Gretzky, play the game like Parker, skate to where you want your career to be, and I think you're going to find some pretty awesome success coming your way. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, please like our podcast and subscribe. The Building Charleston podcast publishes each week, and we have more uh, exciting interviews on deck. If you have questions or comments or want to know how to get in touch with myself or Parker, I'll leave the contact information in the show description. Finally, if you're a business in the low country and you're looking to expand or relocate your business, or if you're listening to us from somewhere outside the Charleston area and you want to consider moving your business here, definitely give me a call. My phone number is 843-508-3038, and I'd be happy to show you what it takes to grow your business down here in Charleston. So with that, thank you one last time to Parker Milner from the South Carolina Stingrays and the Charleston Eater and the City Paper and pregame skate. Thank you to the listeners for downloading and tuning in. Go out there, everyone, and make it a great day. Thanks. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.